the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You know, we've all experienced unexpected things in our life, haven't we? Things that we don't see coming. Maybe it's a bad report from a doctor's visit. Maybe it's getting laid off from a job. Maybe it's a phone call in the middle of the night. We get these unexpected events that come our way without warning. They're just a part of life. And an unexpected event like that can cause us to stumble in our faith if we are not rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and in His Word. The world we live in is full of luxuries and solutions to make our lives more efficient. It's easy to become dependent on what the world has to offer instead of relying on God. The truth of the matter is that technology and the things of this world will ultimately fail at some point. God, however, will never fail you. He's always there, never changing. In today's message, Pastor Dan will teach the importance of being rooted in God's Word. Hard times will arise and this world will disappoint, but God is faithful and His promises are true. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 16 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 16, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Well, you you probably remember if you've been with us for a few weeks, chapters 13 to 18 of the Gospel of John cover the last night of Jesus' life. Before his arrest, the last night of his ministry before going to the cross. At this point in the night, Jesus and his disciples have finished 
the Passover meal, what we call the Last Supper. They have left the upper room and they've gone out into the night, into the streets of Jerusalem. They're making their way through the city of Jerusalem, heading towards the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus will pray and then be arrested and taken away to judgment. So that, that's the same night when all of that will take place. Chapter 16 begins with the phrase, these things I have spoken to you. So chapter 16 is a continuation of what Jesus said to the disciples in chapter 15. So this is the same conversation. There were no chapter breaks, the original text of the Gospel of John. These things I have spoken to you. And that points us back to what Jesus said in chapter 15. What did he say in chapter 15? Well, in chapter 15, Jesus talked about abiding in him and bearing fruit. He spoke of the world's hatred of believers. In chapter 15, verse 19, if you want to look back there, he said, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world, I mean, the world hates you. Uh, and so he talked in chapter 15 about how the world will hate us, hate believers because they hate uh, Jesus. He was despised and rejected, and the servant is not greater than his master. And so we should expect to be despised and rejected because we're followers of Jesus. He ended the chapter, chapter 15, by speaking of the two witnesses for him that are in the, in the world testifying of him after his departure to heaven. He's left two witnesses in the world. And at the end of chapter 15 and verses 26 and 27, he told us the two witnesses are the, the Holy Spirit and believers like you and me. He's left the Holy Spirit in this world and believers. And God is working through the Holy Spirit and God is working through believers like us in this world. And so now in chapter 16, he continues with this same point, same conversation. And in verses 1 to 4, he tells us how the world will respond to the testimony of believers. So he's got the Holy Spirit in the world working. He's got believers in the world working on his behalf. Now he's going to tell us what the world is going to Think about those believers, those followers of Jesus, and how the world will respond. Again, in verse 1, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. The word stumble here, it, it refers to a stumbling block or an impediment that is in the way that causes a person to trip and fall. It's something that you don't see coming that you trip over. And we've all had that experience, right? We've all, we've all tripped over something and, and fallen down. That's what he's describing here. Jesus was concerned his disciples would trip over the persecution and the rejection they would experience after his ascension to heaven and that they would fall away. They don't see it coming. The disciples, if you remember, the disciples were always talking about who is the greatest among them. Even at the Last Supper, the meal they just shared, they, they were talking at that meal who among them was the greatest, and they were arguing over this. For the disciples, the disciples thought that Jesus would overthrow the Roman Empire and establish his kingdom on the earth and rule and reign as king over all of the earth. That's, that's what they're anticipating. 
Even in Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples asked Jesus, are you going to establish your kingdom at this time? He's saying his goodbyes. And they're asking, are you, are you going to do it now? Are you going to establish your kingdom now? And he's like, bye, you know, I'm leaving. Like, what are you talking about now? So they're, they're totally not seeing what, what is about to come. They still thought he would set up his kingdom. Not depart to heaven. The Old Testament describes two comings of Jesus or two advents of Jesus. It describes him in his first coming as coming as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then it describes him coming a second time as King of Kings. As a conquering king. And what the disciples did, which is what a lot of people do, is they kind of focused on the conquering king passages and just sort of ignored the sacrificial lamb passages. And so they just kind of focused on the passages that they liked. And they kind of missed the other passages about him coming as a sacrificial lamb. And so Jesus knew the disciples did not see this persecution that was coming their way. And he was concerned they would be caught by surprise and it would cause them to stumble in their faith and fall away or quit. And that's what he's talking to them about now. You know, we've all experienced unexpected things in our life, haven't we? Things that we don't see coming. Maybe it's a bad report from a doctor's visit. Maybe it's getting laid off from a job. Maybe it's a phone call in the middle of the night. We get these unexpected events that come our way without warning. They're just a part of life. And an unexpected event like that can cause us to stumble in our faith if we are not rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and in His Word. On Friday mornings, my wife and I, we are teaching a discipleship class to about 15 middle schoolers and and high schoolers here in in the area. And our our theme verse for the class is Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, which says, Let your roots grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him that your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. Let your roots grow down in Him. Let your lives be built on Him, that your faith will grow strong. Build your life on Him. Be rooted in Christ so that our faith will grow strong and we can weather those unexpected events that come into our life. Now, in the Gospels, Jesus told a parable about a sower who went out to sow some seeds and the seed that landed on different types of ground or different types of soil. And he describes some of the seed falling among the rocks where the soil was shallow. And he said that the seed that fell among the rocks sprang up quickly. But when the sun came out, the plant was scorched and withered because it had no root. And Jesus explained, the seed that fell among the rock is a picture of a person who hears the word of God and receives the word of God. But then he said, but when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. They have no root, so they do not last long. And we we need to be rooted in Christ. We need to be established in him. We don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that guy or that girl. That it just has this shallow relationship, this shallow faith, no depth, no root not really firmly established in Christ. And then when trouble comes, the unexpected comes, 
you just fall away. You just wither up and fall away. We need to be rooted in Christ so we can withstand the troubles that come in this life. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. So now in verse 2, Jesus tells the disciples, remember there's there's only 11 disciples at this point, Judas has already departed, and he tells the 11 disciples what they can expect. This is how the world will respond to their testimony for Christ. Remember, he's left the Holy Spirit, and he has left believers in this world to testify of him. And now he says, this is how the world will respond to your testimony. Look at verse 2. He says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Remember, the disciples are Jews. And he says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Now, this, this means a great deal more than... They just can't go to the synagogue anymore. It's not what it means. Like, well, you, you can't go to this church anymore, so you just go down the street to another church. That's what we would do in our day. It wasn't like that in their day. You couldn't just go down the street to another synagogue. There was one synagogue in each town, unless you were in a major city. And to be put out of the synagogue, well, the synagogue was, was the center of all of Jewish life. If you go to Israel today and you visit a first century city in Israel, like Capernaum, for example, you go to Capernaum, you're going to see a giant synagogue in the middle of town and a bunch of houses around it. And that's it. That's all that was in that city. That's all that was in a Jewish city was just the synagogue. And the synagogue was the center of everything. All of Jewish life was connected to that synagogue. To be part or to be put out of the synagogue meant that the people of that town would no longer associate with you on any level. They wouldn't even speak to you on the street if they passed you on the street. It meant you were cut off from your friends. You were cut off from your family. If you were a merchant, no one would buy your goods. No one would come into your shop. Uh, If you were a tradesman, no one would hire your services. If you were an employee, you'd lose your job. Your employer would fire you. And no one else would hire you. You couldn't work. You couldn't make a living. You couldn't provide for your family. A doctor wouldn't treat you if you were sick. A doctor wouldn't treat your children if they were sick. A rabbi wouldn't perform your wedding or your funeral. Children in in the first century Israel, they were educated at the synagogue. It was kind of like a public school system in that day. You sent your kids to the synagogue at the age of five and they started going to school at the synagogue and they were taught by the rabbis couldn't send your kids to school. You couldn't educate your kids. And Jesus says to the disciples, I don't want you to stumble because of what is about to happen to you, but understand, they're going to put you out of the synagogue because you are my followers. 
Remember on another occasion, Jesus told his disciples to count the cost of being his follower. Following Jesus would come at a great cost. You know, even in the, in the synagogues in the ancient world and ancient Israel, they had daily prayers that they would pray at every synagogue service. They usually met three times a day, every day, and they would recite these prayers. They were rote prayers. If you came from a liturgical church background, you, you maybe remember that from your, your experience there of rote prayers that you prayed at every service or every Mass, like the Lord's Prayer, for example. You pray that at every Mass kind of thing. Well, in the synagogues in the ancient world, they had these rote prayers that they prayed every day at every service that everybody there would recite together. By the end of the first century and going into the second century, the Jews began to include in those daily prayers a prayer cursing the Nazarenes, Christians. And that became part of the prayers that they recited three times a day at the synagogue service. So just try to imagine that if you can. If you were a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ, you still want to go to the synagogue. But now the synagogues are praying and you have to participate in a prayer that is asking God to curse the Christians. Uh, And the, the Jews used this as a way to out the Christians that were in the synagogue. Because, of course, you're not going to pray that prayer. You're not going to say amen to that. And so, you know, because of that, that's why Christians began to start meeting in their homes because they couldn't, they weren't really welcomed in the synagogues anymore. The synagogue became a hostile environment for a Jewish Christian. So they moved into homes and archaeologists have actually found in some homes where they just converted their living room to a synagogue. They just made it into to look like a synagogue because they could no longer meet in the synagogue in town. Look at verse 2 again. Not only will they put them out of the synagogue, he says, yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And so they will be persecuted and even killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And this, this prophecy was literally fulfilled. Ten of the eleven disciples that Jesus said this to, 10 of the 11 were killed, martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. John is the only one who died of natural causes. Uh, One commentator said that John was cursed with a long life. You know, all of the other disciples lived a short life because they were killed for their faith in Christ. If you read the book of Acts, you you will see how this prophecy was fulfilled with persecution and the killing of Christians in the first century. And look at verse 2 again. Those who kill you will think they are doing service to God. That they're doing God's work. Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, is a great example of this. We read in the early chapters of the book of Acts of how Saul of Tarsus thought he was doing service to God by rounding up believers and putting them in prison and even seeing to their execution. In Acts chapter 22, verse 4, Paul said, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. In Acts chapter 22, verse 19, Paul said he went into the synagogues looking for believers in Jesus Christ. When Saul was converted on the road to Damascus, remember, why is he going to Damascus? Well, he received authority from the high priest in Jerusalem 
to go to Damascus to search the synagogues for any believers in Jesus Christ and arrest them and take them into custody so that they could be executed. He, he thought he was doing God's work, serving God by killing Christians. You know, and, this, and this really has been the case throughout all of church history, even to the present day. Uh, today, in parts of the Middle East, parts of Africa, radical Muslims are killing Christians in the name of Allah. They think they're doing God's service by killing Christians, just as Jesus said they would. So he says here, I don't want you to stumble. I don't want you to get tripped up by this. But this is, this is what's coming for you. You're going to be put out of the synagogues. You're going to be cut off. And that, yes, even the time is coming where people will kill you and think that they are offering God service by killing you. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Jesus says that they do it because they don't know God. They think they know God. They think they're doing service to God but they don't actually know God. But these things, verse 4, I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them, and these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. He didn't need to say anything to them about this in the beginning because he was with them. But he says here that he forewarned them so that they would know and not be surprised by these things when they happen. He forewarns them to comfort them when it does happen. As shocking as it will be, they can say, hey, Jesus told us this would happen. In John chapter 16, remember he said that they're going to kick us out of the synagogues and they're going to kill us. And so there's a, there's a comfort that comes with that. Now this is, one of the, this is one of the many benefits of reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God. So much of the Word of God is prophecy. And it describes things that will be taking place in the world. Things, by the way, that are taking place in the world today are described in the Bible. And as crazy as the world is getting, you can read the Bible and it brings comfort to you because the Word of God tells us how things will play out and, will tell, and tells us ultimately how things will be brought to their final consummation, their final end. And it brings comfort to us as we read the Word and, and it prepares us for these things to come. And that's what Jesus is doing here by foretelling this to His disciples. Now in verse 5, Jesus began to speak about the ministry of the Holy Spirit again. Remember, He talked about the Holy Spirit back in chapter 14. So He says in verse 5, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, look what he says in verse 7. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He calls the Holy Spirit here the helper. That's a title for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us in life. And he says, it is to our advantage that Jesus left and returned to heaven so that the helper could come. He asked me how I know and I say, bring truer than the finest 
The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate, no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your Almighty Creator, and more ways in which He can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly. We also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth.